In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. I want to talk today about tithing and the mission of the church. We are in the octave of all saints, which is a sort of catch-all feast that encompasses uh, all the holy people throughout history who don't have their own particular day of celebration. However, since we are all, as 1 Corinthians says, called to be saints, it is prophetically our own feast day as well. The multitude which no man can number of every nation, kindred, people, and tongue that our epistle lesson speaks of refers to the faithful of all ages who endure through tribulation and remain faithful so as to stand victorious before the throne of God. This is the communion of the saints, the fellowship of all who are bound together in Christ through the Spirit. It consists of all believers, whether they are currently living in the body or whether they are after death, in the intermediate state, awaiting the resurrection with all of us. The restoration of our relationship with God in Christ necessarily restores us to relationship with all who belong to him. Sin severed our union with God, but it also alienated us and continues to alienate us from each other. After the original sin, the next recorded sin is that one human being killed another human being, a murder that was a result of offerings made to God. Abel made an offering that was accepted by God. Cain made an offering that was rejected. And because he was rejected, Cain got angry and killed his brother. When we are restored to union with God, this pattern is reversed. Together, our offering is accepted by God. And we learn to love one another, to seek one another's good. Redemption is the restoration of the human vocation that we lost through sin. We were made to be priests and kings of the creation. We were made to take the creation God gives to us and offer it back to God in thanksgiving. And we were made to rule over the creation righteously. The paradox is that only when we offer the creation back to God in thanksgiving only when we let go of it do we come to fully possess it and rule over it. When we hold on to the creation, it becomes an idol and it rules over us. Let us look at the story of Cain and Abel. Genesis tells us, quote, In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering unto the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock 
and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but the Lord did not respect Cain and his offering. The language of Genesis 4 suggests the problem. Abel offered the first and best of his flock. In the Bible, the first and best represents the whole. By this offering, Abel exercised his priestly vocation. He took what God gave to him, and he offered it back to God in thanksgiving. And God blessed it and him. Cain brought an offering. Cain knew he was supposed to give, but he didn't really want to. So he came and offered something he thought he could spare. This attitude is a consequence of the fall. Fallen man says of the creation, this is mine. He clings to it tightly as though he were an owner and not a steward, as though it were a possession and not a gift. As Hebrews says, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he received approval as righteous, God bearing witness by accepting his gifts. Throughout the Bible, the righteous follow in Abel's footsteps by offering back to God the first and best of what God gives to them. The first and best is represented by the tithe. Abraham tithed to Melchizedek, the king and priest of Salem, who is a type of Christ in the Old Testament. Jacob made a vow to God, saying, quote, Of all that thou givest me, I will surely give the tenth to thee. Various tithes were incorporated into the Torah that God gave to Moses on Mount Sinai. The chief of these, however, went to support the ministry of the temple. At the end of the Old Testament, when the Old Testament, when the uh, temple ministry languished because the people neglected to tithe. God and Malachi chastised the people. He accused them of robbing him, and he challenged them, saying that if they would bring the full tithes to the temple, he would pour upon them such blessing that they would not have room to receive it. In the New Testament, Jesus criticized the hypocrisy of the scribes and Pharisees, but he commended their meticulous practice of tithing. It is the will of God that the ministry of the church, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit and the successor to the Old Testament temple, be supported by the tithes of the people of God. We tithe when we take the income God gives to us and offer the first tenth back to God in thanksgiving. The tithe should be the first check we write. This is how we imitate Abel and offer to God our first and best. This is one way we fulfill our vocation as priests of the creation. 
Some will say, I can't afford to tithe. Of course, this is literally false. The first and best are always there to give. What is meant by that objection is this. I'm afraid that if I tithe, there won't be enough left over to meet the needs I have. This is precisely what makes the tithe an expression of faith. We give God the first and best, trusting that he will make the rest sufficient to meet our needs. As Hebrews says, quote, Without faith it is impossible to please God. For you comes to God must believe that God is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God's faithfulness is illustrated by the story of Elijah and the widow of Zarephath. During one severe famine, God sent Elijah to the widow to ask her for food. Elijah went and did as he was instructed, and the widow said, I only have a little bit of food left. I'm going to make it for me and my son, and then we're going to die of hunger. And Elijah said, don't be afraid. Go make me a small cake first and then prepare for you and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. First Kings tells us that the widow did what Elijah said, made him some, and then made some for her son, and she had enough food until the drought ended. She gave first to God, and the rest was made sufficient to meet her needs. Our stated mission is, quote, to follow Christ, to worship God every Sunday in his church, and to work and pray and give for the spread of his kingdom. This means that it is the mission of each of us to worship, to be disciples, to use our gifts, to enter into the church's life of prayer and support the church with our tithes and with other offerings as we are able. Our participation in the church is not just for our own benefit. It is part of the mission of the church, part of what we do to help the church in her mission. If any of us refuses to do what each of us is called to do, the church is less strong than it ought to be. The church is the army of God, and if any soldier does not man his post and fulfill his calling, we are less able to fight and conquer the enemy. People sometimes ask how they can help the church, and often they're looking for some special thing they can do. However, what the church really needs is not some special thing. What the church really needs is for all of its members to be committed to its mission, to be faithful in the regular habits of following Christ, worshiping God, working, praying, and giving for the spread of the kingdom. Ordinary faithfulness 
makes people heroes in the church. It makes people saints. What God has done through the ministry of St. Matthew's Church over the last quarter century has been made possible by those who are faithful year in and year out to take their part in our mission. And this is particularly true with regard to money. We have always been able to do more than what it would appear we should be able to do given our size because so many of our people are faithful to tithe. We have often had year-end deficits that God provided for by a member who happened to just get a a year-end bonus and, and because he will always give God his due, we no longer had a deficit. Expansion of our ministry over the years has been made possible because new people join us and begin to support the ministry with their tithes. We are committed as a church to mission. We believe that God is calling us to reach out beyond ourselves to others, to share with others what God has given to us. A church that merely wants to survive, that merely wants to keep the doors open and pay the bills for another year, might be able to survive with some of the leftover grain. But a church with a mission, the army of God dressed for battle, requires our first and our best, our tithe. Think of the church as a canoe and each member is an oarsman. When each of us does our part, when we row in unison together, the ministry of the church moves on efficiently and effectively. When some choose not to row and they pull their oar into the boat, others have to row a little bit harder to make up for what they're not doing. And when some choose to be difficult, to leave their oar in the water but not row. Others have to row even harder to make up for the negative energy. As we begin to plan for the next year, we are asking all of our members to get on board and row with us. We believe that God has great things in store for us. And the more people who get on board, the more people who join us so that we work together to work and pray and give for the spread of God's kingdom, the greater will be the works that God will do through us. In the name of the Father 